He's a man of the people. This is his chance to look at the local angle and interview people of interest to him. It's his podcast. This is the Mike Hearn Project. Welcome to episode number three of the Mike Hearn Podcast. A lot of things that have happened since we talked last about the uh, Slams for Shane event in Coldwater, which, by the way, Talk to Nikon on episode two was a huge success for the family, and I know they had a terrific time. The boys of War Wrestling showed out for that event at Coldwater High School. Just a tremendous event for everyone, and I'm really glad to say not only will it not be the last one, but uh, it went smashingly from what I understand, and just uh, kudos to everyone else involved in Nikon for making that happen. This episode a little bit different than the last couple where there's not a guest, so to speak. Just kind of a catch-up a little bit about things that have been going on. And uh, I've been very blessed the last couple of weeks to have a lot of things going on during the summer. Kind of just uh, trying to figure out what goes on. Uh, high school sports not really in full swing. American Legion Baseball, a lot of that. to uh, Get to travel the state and get to see a lot of different things. Had a weird play happen last week at Sydney where a ball hit off the top of a metal backstop and on the back part of the fence came back directly into my press box. It's like a one in one million sort of thing. It was either let it hit me in the face or uh, I thought I broke my finger at first, but as hard as that ball was hit, ricocheted off the wall, skipped back over my head, and everybody's kind of sitting there staring at me of, is he okay? Ultimately, I was. Just a bruised finger for a couple of days, but just one of those weird things. And I always joke that anytime I go somewhere, whether it's Columbus or whatever, that for the state tournament, I always end up being a target for the ball. And it happens all the time. There's actually one in Ottawa where you can see as well. The other day we had it on Facebook Live. The ball was hit directly back to where I was sitting at and almost came through the netting. I don't know how to explain it. It's just a thing that happens. Hazard as they say. Last week, the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Touch on that here coming up in just a minute. And uh, I want to play you a handful of clips from some of the guys that were involved in that All-Star Game. Got to meet a lot of people that I am a huge fan of. And as a member of the media, you've got to try to play it cool. That's always a funny thing, I think. But last weekend, got to go to country concert for the first time in my life. Went down as a part of NK Telco's family and got to see Chris Stapleton. I absolutely adore Chris Stapleton. Uh, there are a handful of people who are not real big Chris Stapleton fans, and I don't get it. Dude puts on a good show. He uh, is an absolutely fantastic voice. Gary Allen played before him. Can't say I'm a big fan of Gary Allen. I just don't see how his music sort of is concert ready. Uh, it's a lot of slower stuff. And again, I know there are a lot of people who are Gary Allen fans and more power to them. Everybody likes what they like, but just not for me. The whole experience was neat though. I don't know that I could do it every year though. It is a lot of people. I remember looking back at one point and thinking, I just got to go to the all-star game a couple of days ago and this crowd might rival that. They had 35,000 people in Cleveland on Tuesday night. But, man, that is that is a lot. <laughs> and it's a lot of fun, but just, uh, 
I don't know. Uh, just something about it. I, maybe just not for me. I know a lot of people down there, half the people I, I have ever met in my life were apparently hanging out at Pole 8. So shout out to the folks from Putnam County. Got to see a handful of them while I was down there. And uh, they, at least from the looks of it on Instagram, had quite a blast. If you're looking for something to watch on Netflix, Hulu, whatever, I recommend highly that you check out a show called 112263. It comes from the mind of Stephen King, and it's one of the 60 books that he has written in his life. It's a reimagining of the old what would happen if... This time around, it's the assassination of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. And the question with James Franco and Chris Cooper, who is absolutely amazing, and I'm a huge fan of, is could you go back? Could you stop it? Now, I'm only about halfway through it, but I'm absolutely enthralled by it. And I keep wondering, well, how are they going to get from here to there? And it's actually a couple of years old. I'm sad that I didn't see it. But... I got a free month of Hulu for my birthday, apparently. So that is why that uh, that works. And it's just, it's fantastic. Eleven twenty two sixty three with James Franco. Look it up. Uh, if you have any sort of historical itch, it, it is fantastic. I know they probably play slightly loose but uh, with a handful of things, but I, I really enjoy it. Had a birthday last week or two weeks ago now as I taped this, I love being able to go do things, being able to go places, being able to travel, what have you, but there's something to be said about just uh, being able to go out to dinner with your family and have a good time. Went to Red Lobster with uh, most of my family and just had a good time uh, in between calling baseball, took a night off, and uh, they say, they told me, it's how the other side lives, how you're able to actually be able to do stuff and not work all the time. It was pretty cool. I won't lie. Last weekend in Cleveland, the Major League Baseball All-Star Weekend. Before I say anything about being able to go to the whole thing, my, oh, my, the city of Cleveland showed out. They had two concerts, the Killers and 21 Pilots up there. The attendance wasn't maybe what it should have been or what they were hoping for for some of it. Uh, one of the employees from downtown told us a story on the train one night about it, and it, that's a, that's sad, but it's a weird thing, I think, when you book these concerts because try to appeal to the masses, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Still a heck of a weekend by Cleveland. They had the convention center was decked out with the Playball Park, and they said it was one of the most attended things that they've had, a single event in All-Star Game history. In the last 10 years, Cleveland had the highest play ballpark attendance, from what I understand, which is also kind of sad because on the other end of the spectrum, they had the lowest rating for the last All-Star. I believe it was one of the lowest rated All-Star Games, period. Now, that might be more of a statement of it wasn't exactly a marquee game, in terms of stars, because it was one of the youngest all-star games. Got to go up as a member of the media, thanks to a friend, and uh, got me some hooked up with some credentials. Futures and Celebrities game took place on Sunday, on July the 7th, and the only thing I think that I'm sad about this experience is I didn't get to go down to the press conference where they had the celebrities. 
I was really looking forward to being able to interview The Miz and have a couple of clips for this podcast. Ah, it didn't work out that way. But the Celebrity Game was an absolute thrill. Uh, you've got Team Cleveland and Team World. Miz gives up a handful of runs, but uh, he gets introduced. And I thought it was going to be a loud, loud uh, pop. It was. Unfortunately for him, though, Kenny Lofton got announced right behind him. And Kenny Lofton is virtually a god in uh, the city of Cleveland. Any of the 90s Indians got just a massive reaction from the hometown crowd. And uh, they had a lot of fun. And it was neat to see that kind of game. Johnny Bananas from Team World is who my wife wanted to see. He's uh, apparently an, he's an MTV guy. Him and Miz are boys. And they went back and forth. That was neat to see. Kind of disappointed that for whatever reason, I don't know the story behind it, that Jamie Foxx didn't show up. It happens, I guess. The Futures game, uh, a lot of people look down on it, but because it wasn't a big scoring game, pitching kind of dominated throughout the course of it. It was neat to see guys who, uh, in a couple of years, Daniel Johnson of the club's Clippers is the uh, AAA affiliate of the Indians. He was there. Uh, got to talk to him and got to walk down around the clubhouse, interview some guys, saw Ken Griffey Jr. and shook Jim Tomey's hand. That dude has massive hands. He shook my hand, and it went all the way up to my forearm. Home run derby on Monday night. Just wow. I don't know that there are actual words to try to do this home run derby justice because the matchup, and I picked Jock Peterson to win sitting up in the media room for the Los Angeles Dodgers because... Standing down on the field watching batting practice for batting practice. It's funny if you think about it. And I watched Jock Peterson swing and I thought, man, he's just got this no-nonsense repetitive swing. A lot of guys have the big wind-up swing. Vlad Guerrero, who's just come up with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays recently, has that. And I thought, you know, at some point he's probably not going to get his tired. So both those guys blitz through the first round. They get to the point where... Something big's going to happen, and those two go after each other, and they end up with 29 home runs. Vlad had had 29 in the first round to even get to that point. So he comes up, and he hit, Vlad Guerrero goes first. He has 29 home runs. Wow. Biggest total in the history of the way the format is. So Jock Peterson comes up, and he slams 29 home runs, and I had said to a guy next to me before – he even took it. Can you imagine you have to come up and you have to hit 30 home runs in your round just to advance? Well, he nearly did. There, I guess, was a controversy about a ball that did or didn't go out and timing and a whole thing. But they go to a swing off, and they each get a minute. They hit the same amount of home runs again. Second swing off, they get three pitches. They hit the same amount of home runs again. They each got one. So another swing off, they each get three more pitches. And... Vlad hits two. Peterson gets just one. So Vlad wins, goes on to the finals. And this is where you look at it and you say, man, this guy's got, I think he had 75 home runs or so, 75 or 80 home runs at that point. And the record for a whole thing, I think, is 81. He goes up and he ends up finishing with 91. The problem with that is 
Pete Alonzo, the polar bear, as you hear him describe here. So where did the polar bear, uh, polar bear nickname come from? It actually came from uh, Fridge. So Todd Frazier, we're in, we're in spring training, he's just like, you look like a big damn polar bear. <laughs> and then uh, just his kind of matter-of-fact way, and, um, and then it just kind of stuck. So um, if, you guys, if any of you guys know Todd Frazier, he's, uh, he's a loudmouth from Jersey. Uh, he tells it how it is, and, but I, I love that guy. He's a great teammate, and, um, but, I mean, he's, he's quite the character. He's a, he's a clown, but, I mean, he's definitely got it from him. So Alonzo, the New York Met, in the first two rounds, comes up as the second batter, and all he's got to do is get one more than the guy in front of him. Now I say that, in the second round, he had to hit 20 because Ronald Acuna, the Atlanta Braves, had hit 19. Goes up, just casually drops 20 over the wall, wins as time expires. So throughout the uh, stadium in Cleveland, everybody's chanting, Vladdy, Vladdy. Well, Alonzo was the ultimate heel, and he said later on that he had never thought about being booed at the home run derby during the press conference. Well, he turned into everybody's favorite when he again walked off with the winning amount in the last round and beat Vlad Guerrero. It happens. Coolest thing, though, during the postgame press conference is that Alonzo talked about how he was donating the prizes a million dollars. That's twice what a handful of the guys in the Home Run Derby make for their season. But he talked about how he was going to donate the money, a portion of it, to uh, Wounded Warriors and a couple of other charities. That's what he said. Uh, Mr. Alonzo, as a, as a veteran and, and a member of the Wounded Warrior Project, I just want to say thank you and ask you, uh, was it someone in your family, someone close to you that made you decide to give uh, that amount that you're giving to the charity? Well, both my both my grandpas they, they served in the military. Um, my grandpa, on my mom's side was a marine, and my uh, grandpa, on my dad's side was in the army. Um, one was uh, during the Korea War time, and the other one was during World War II. So I, I just feel like a really strong bond uh, with, with those people who, who are willing to make the ultimate sacrifice, and also the same on the same token, on the flip side, the same people that are willing to make that sacrifice and protect us here at home. Um, whether it be firefighters, EMTs, um, cops, like there's so many people that are willing to make the ultimate sacrifice every day. They don't know what they're going to go into when they go to work, and a bad day at work for them is a lot different than me going 0 for 4, getting booed off the field. And this year has just been so special. I, I've been living in a fantasy, and I just want to use my platform as um, almost to kind of just reach out to people and just uh, make people aware of these causes, and I hope that other people could um, find the kindness in their hearts. Because for me, it's, yeah, it's like, it's about the money, but for me, it's, I think the platform and the, the whole purpose behind it and the awareness is the, is the most important thing. Um, and I, I hope other people can find the kindness in their hearts to, to reach out and help other people that help us. All-Star game itself on Tuesday night was a lot of fun. It wasn't a high-scoring game. The American League won by a run. Got to see all of the Cleveland Stars. And uh, even uh, first pitch thrown out by C.C. Sabathia, the longtime Cleveland Indian, who uh, when they asked him about a lot of things, we talked to him before earlier in the day, I think these three quotes are interesting for C.C. One of these he talks about analytics, and that's become a big thing about launch angles and what you can do with guys and sabermetrics and all that. The first clip is about C.C. on analytics then he talks about something where a lot of guys are asked the same question. 
What about the baseballs? CC talked about what he thought, and this is a typical CC Sabathia answer. And then my favorite thing is he talks about how he feels the game is right now for the game's young stars. Yeah, no, I don't use any of it. <laughs> I don't. I don't. But I don't even watch video before I pitch. Okay. So I just kind of go out and do my thing, and you know they tell me all the numbers, and Larry does a good job with all the analytics and the numbers, and you know going through stuff. So I trust him. Yeah, I mean a lot of these guys I've seen before, um, um, and I and I kind of do what I do. You know, I can't really change what I do. You know, I throw a cutter. It's too late two-seamer change that, you know, so it's kind of too late to change what I do, so I have to pitch in my strengths um, and just kind of go out and, and, and work work from that plan. On the baseballs? Um, I mean, there's definitely something going on. I, I couldn't tell you what or, um, you know, whatever, but I mean, the balls are flying out of the ballpark for sure. Do you think they're, they're different than they used to be? Um, they, I mean, they seem, they seem, seem a little different um, than they used to be, but I mean, I couldn't you know, sit here and tell you exactly what is going on, but I mean, I feel like something is. Yeah, Verlander said you thought they were a joke. They were what? A joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got so many guys with, it's going to be so many guys that's going to hit 30 home runs this year. I mean, you just look at like the list of guys that have, you know, 20 something at the break. It's crazy. So, um, I mean, it's good for the game, though. You know, I'm on my way out, so it don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> You've resisted the nostalgia thing so much this year. Was it? Difficult to say yes to this in a sense, or was it? It wasn't difficult um, to to say yes to it. I think oh, it's definitely in a good spot. I mean, just I mean, the young stars that that can play and they have flair, and that's what I like. You know, uh, the slogan this year was "Let the kids play," and you know, I love the passion and and uh, the flair that some of these guys play with now, and I, and uh, you know, hopefully that continues to you know let guys develop that way and just let them be themselves out on the field and. Um, we continue to get some good baseball. Is Frankie Lindor kind of like the epitome of that exactly. type of guy? Yeah, he is. Um, I love I love to watch him, watch him the way he plays. They set you up in a room at the convention center for these interviews, and you talk to a lot of these players about different things. You can ask them anything you want, and trust me, guys definitely do ask them all kinds of different things. Uh, Cleveland Sports Time Ohio had uh, a lady that, does a lot of their interviews that they had her go over and put a cowboy hat on them and make them sing the words to Old Town Road. That was something else. A lot of the guys had uh, had quite a few issues with it, and a couple of the guys just, I don't know that song. I'm not even going to deal with it. As an Indians fan, one of the coolest things for me was to be able to sit and talk to a handful of Indians. One, Nobody was talking to the guy, and it makes me laugh because of all the, the young stars like Sabathia just talked about. But I got to sit and talk to Tito Francona, who's the manager of the Cleveland Indians, and ask him just different things. Talked about him riding his scooter up there, but I asked him about, since he doesn't have any responsibilities, he's just kind of an add-on on Cora's staff for the American League, about how he's able to sit and enjoy this game. You know, there's so much that goes into this. So they, you know, I mean, MLB pulls it off almost without a hitch, which is, which is, which is a big compliment because there's a lot going on. It's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, there sure is. It's got to be just fun just to watch everything that goes on. Because, uh, well, this for me, for me, because I, I have no responsibility. Right. That's going to be the one thing I'm going to win. Because when you manage it, 
you're busy. You know, I was just talking to Cora, and he's like, oh. he's going every which way. I get to sit back now, and I get to watch our guys, and I actually get to take it in. And I, I plan to enjoy that. That's a, Even like with Brantley back, and right. you know, I'm gonna. I plan to enjoy it because I, I that was maybe one of the, the neatest stories about how the game works. And I don't get a lot of opportunity to do that, where I can kind of turn off my motor and just enjoy the guys. And I'm kind of reminding myself to make sure I do that. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much. You got it, man. You got it. Thanks. Another guy that was really popular for the media, Chicago Cubs, Chris Bryant. And it's a big thing the last couple of weeks with the NBA free agency where guys are are pretty much just teaming up with their friends. You can listen to Chris Bryant talk about his views on NBA free agency and about how guys in Major League Baseball aren't really going to team up because it's it's not exactly the same thing. You need more than one guy to win. It's fascinating, too, because he talks about how guys, especially to him, you know, he had never thought of that and to team up with the guys. And, again, baseball is not exactly set up like that to where it's it's easy like that, but uh, like basketball is. But I hope that doesn't really become a trend uh, like basketball. There's a lot of talk right now about, uh, especially if you cover high school or college sports, about when and how to use young arms and how to not get the arms blown out. Max Scherzer, now with the Washington Nationals, used to be in Detroit. One of the things that he talked about during his press conference was, you know, guys don't necessarily uh, understand how beneficial college is to be able to go through, and he talked about playing at Mizzou and how it made him more ready for when he decided to go pro. And... A lot of it was pitch counts, and he said, you know, I, he, he gave his views on pitch counts. He gave his views on the ball that uh, Sabathia talked about, said he didn't really find anything different with it. But it's fascinating to, to hear these guys talk about, to me, that I look up to uh, in terms of how they handle themselves with the media and in life and, and talk about little things that you, know, you might not necessarily realize about the game. And he said, he said this, really. Um, for me, I absolutely believe that the college model of how I got developed uh, was perfect for me uh, in the fact that I got to throw 120 pitches regularly on, on a seven-day rotation, on a seven-day rotation, so I was pitching only once a week. I think it, when you're in that 19, 20, 21 years old, uh, that's a critical time to develop as a pitcher uh, that kind of allows you to springboard as you move into a professional career. Uh, I think we've gone to so far on the pitch counts to try to preserve arms that we've actually gone too far um, because I, pitchers have to pitch. You have to pitch deep in the games. You have to be exposed to that. And I think pitching 120 pitches is fine on an, on an arm and on shoulder. Um, but in order to do that, you need rest. And you can't be pitching on the pro, the pro schedule of pitching on once every five days. It's just too much. And pitching on the seven days is actually, I think, the right amount of rest that you need to be able to recover and be able to do that consistently. And so for me, I, can, I reflect on my time uh, definitely at Mizzou of, hey, I got pushed. And when I got pushed, it you know, made me a better pitcher. I, got, I learned more about myself because I was pitching deeper into games. I wasn't just facing one, or, one time through the line, two times. I was having to face guys three or four times through and ha- learning how to have to pitch 
uh, to make myself better. So to me, I really feel like that's a, a critical thing in young kids' developments when I reflect upon how I got developed and I, I would hope the game would move into that, to, in, into that direction. Yeah, a lot of One of the stations I work for in Salina, big Reds affiliate, uh, Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray are both there. And uh, Sonny Gray's a, an interesting interview too because he's a guy that's had some turmoil and he's been uh, a little bit of everywhere he talked about uh, how the Reds are more of a family this year, and the NL Central going into the All-Star break had three and a half games from the top to the bottom of the way that everybody was situated, and the Reds have been on uh, a pretty good tear, except for when they lost the Indians the last two games before the break. So I'll drop that in there. But uh, Sonny Gray, I asked him about the second half for the Reds. Uh, it seems like you've gelled really well together. Is that going to help a lot the second half of the season? Yeah, we we have a lot of with the Reds. We we have a lot of uh, we got a lot of personality on our team, and uh, I don't think there's any secret to that. <laughs> We've got a lot of personality on our team, which is not a bad thing, uh, especially when uh, when the, when they when the personalities blend well together. And I think that's what we have. I think we have a lot of personality. And we have a lot of fun fun guys, and it all. And they all blend good together. Seems like it makes it a, a lot easier on the field. I see you guys laughing and joking yeah, around, and yeah. you know, obviously, you want to win, but you, it seems like you guys are having a blast. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to to, to play in Cincinnati for sure. Kind of similar to the second half uh, about the Indians. They're in an, an awkward spot. They dropped the first game coming out of the break to uh, Minnesota to drop to six and a half games back out of the AL Central lead. They were as much as eleven out just a couple of weeks ago. Game two, they ended up winning in uh, Cleveland. Ended up getting that game back. and I love where this team's at. Uh, Fricky Lindor said that he felt if this team was going to add anything and the baseball guys upstairs were much smarter than him, is what he said, that uh, he thought they should add a right-handed bat. And I asked Brad Hand, who's the closer, and right now one of the best closers in Major League Baseball, about what he thought the Indians might do at the trade deadline coming up at the end of the month and about their second half. Yeah, I mean, nobody's going to complain with some extra runs. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens. We got, I know we do have a lot of left-handed hitters, but, um, you know, we got three switch hitters as well that um, you can turn over on the other side of the plate. I mean, our three best hitters are all switched, so. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, you always want good people around you, and uh, you don't want you don't want somebody coming in and being a you know whatever it may be. But um, yeah, you just want a, a good teammate. Um, you know, we got a good group of guys. Um, just whatever it may be, if we if we're gonna add somebody, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any panic going on in the clubhouse. Obviously, we knew we were however many games back, but, you know, we brought it back to five and a half going into the break. So uh, we're right there. Um, you know, I think we've dealt with a lot of injuries. Obviously, we had Frankie and Kip hurt at the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, Clev, Kluber, I mean, those are those are four. Yeah, I mean, those are four great players that we were missing at some point and still missing Klub, so... Um, you know, 
we'll see what happens at the end of the year. Um, you know, but we've we've crawled back into it and um, hopefully make a push in the second half. A couple of days before the All Star game, Shane Bieber was added to the American League roster, and he was so poised for a 24 year old. A lot of guys talked about him. Michael Brantley talked about him, raved about him, about he and Lindor. And Brad Hand talked about when I was talking to him about how Bieber is is amazing for a 24-year-old. You hear him speak, and he's so eloquent. Tito said he doesn't really get nervous. Bieber, though, had kind of a different view when he was asked about his late selection to the All-Star game. And by the way, he came out and ended up as the MVP as he struck out three of Major League Baseball's best young hitters in the fifth. Boys, and then surprising with it, so obviously really exciting, good news. Um, and then going from there, it's like, what do we got to do? Um, try to go get fitted for a suit and fly my parents out here and get everyone situated with hotels. And, um, you know, kind of a, a blessing in disguise because we were able to get, you know, my close family out here and we'll have a tight-knit group um, because of such late notice, but... Um, yeah, like you said, total whirlwind, but excited to be here. Over the last 15 years, I, uh, I'll i admit I've kind of done a 180 on uh, a thing from when I was a kid. When I was a kid, a couple of years ago, my dad used to talk about Cleveland and you'd get the mistake from the lake. And, you know, as a guy who traveled, you kind of take on your parents' mentality. Well, I met a girl. She's from the Cleveland suburbs, and she's the one. She's amazing. And I not only fell in love with her, but over time I sort of fell in love with the city of Cleveland. And I absolutely adore everything about Cleveland. Uh, not necessarily the Browns, but uh, <laughs> the Indians. I I went to the first game at then Jacobs Field with her and her dad in 2005 in October. Watched the White Sox win on the second to last game of the year and the Indians didn't go to the playoffs. White Sox ended up winning the World Series that year, so it's not a total loss, I guess. But uh, the answer is always, why Cleveland? And it's a beautiful city, and uh, I think Frankie Lindor, who I hope is there for a long, long time, explained it best. Brother, just look around. It's been beautiful. People are very genuine here. People are amazing it's beautiful. It's amazing um, summer so far, and uh, is the events. Playboy Park is pretty cool. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that's extremely amazing. You know, it's not only just rock. They got so many different things. Um, great restaurants uh, around, and it's just a great atmosphere. Cleveland is amazing. I love Cleveland. So that's kind of a look at what's been going on the last couple of weeks. I hope you enjoyed hearing from those all-stars. It's easier to try to put things in their words than it is for me to try to explain it. And uh, just a, an amazing time at the Celebrity, the Futures game, the Home Run Derby. Getting to go to the all-star game the second time now with my wife was a neat thing. And uh, just uh, those are memories that I never will forget. And... Uh, I cherish. Uh, we get to do a lot of cool things, and we're going to uh, a couple of college basketball games, I know, later on in the uh, fall and the winter, but it, it's neat to be able for me to take time off and have it be meaningful with her of 
you know, from sports of, of, of covering it. And I hope that one day, uh, I don't know what my dream is. I don't know what my goal is anymore. It changes all the time. But to be able to spend that time with her and be able to have fun at that, at country concert, it just kind of really, it makes everything that I feel like I do <laughs> studying at 3 a.m. about random Legion games or whatever, I feel like it's worth it. And one of the other cool things since the last time that we talked on this podcast is we had Summerfest here in town last month in June, and that was cool. I always love when everybody comes home and you get to see everyone. I didn't think for years that I would, but I realize I'm from where I'm from, and I'm proud to be from where I'm from. Everybody you know and everyone you come across helps make and shape who you are. And that that definitely, definitely has happened to me here. Um, I got a lot of big goals, but they all come from a small town, and that's, that's something that you can't put a price on. A lot of cool things coming up, and God bless my wife because, again, she understands how I'm slightly a nerd. There's a, uh, a wrestling promotion called AEW. It is in... Uh, the infancy stages, but they have a show in Chicago in August, and uh, one of my friends and I are going. Uh, my wife is amazing, got me tickets, and a night after high school football kicks off, there's a wrestling show in Chicago. I feel like anyone listening to this who truly knows me will know how that actually makes sense in my life, because I don't sleep anyways, but... I can't wait, and uh, I would love to have people on this podcast and talk about things going on. If uh, you've got something you want to sit and talk about, or I would absolutely love to have your stories on this podcast. You can reach out and tweet me at mhern3. I'm on Facebook as well, and uh, not a very hard guy to find, at Michael Hearn PVP. Love Twitter. Love hearing back about uh, people who have heard this and about things going on, always looking to tell interesting stories, whether it's your story or you want to help someone else. So I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and you continue to uh, subscribe and listen.